0: Great conversations, incredible interviews, a place to just go and listen, Arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E.net. It's time for Podcrashing, episode number 118 with Ethan Nadelman from the podcast Psychoactive.
1: Yes, very good. How are you?
0: Fantastic. I got to tell you, man, right off the bat, when I heard about your podcast, I thought, oh my God, somebody has finally stepped forward to create sound for those that are living in silence.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, that is obviously one of the objectives, you know, it's uh, because we're living in a new era now where people are increasingly willing, but is still a bit hesitant uh, to talk really about their own personal drug use. Um, and how it touches them, talk more honestly about it. I've been amazed at the transition just in recent years, actually. And it's not just with marijuana. I mean, it's, it's spreading into psychedelics and sometimes touching on other things as well.
0: Well, there's a lot of articles out there about mothers that are at home. They're also, what, are they, what do they call it, the midday mother uh, uh, drunk is what they're calling it?
1: Uh, well, I remember seeing the expression, the stiletto stoners. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's probably, I mean, it's funny. If you think back historically, you know, there's always been phases of the uh, of the housewives and the mothers getting into pharmaceuticals. It was Valium at one point, it was stimulants at another, you know, little pink pills, this and that. And I think now, you know, marijuana is something that, you know, you see lots of uh, middle class adults doing. And for some, it's a problem. For many others, it actually helps them function better. Well, it, it's, it's
0: one of those things where, I mean, it's, it's like neighbors will whip out their, their, their little pipes and they'll start smoking it right there at, at gatherings. And I'm going, have we really gotten to that point? I, I thought smoking pot was supposed to be just kind of like a little thing you did on the side.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I mean, in New York, um, they just legalized marijuana in New York a few months ago. In fact, I'm very proud, of the organization I founded and headed Drug Policy Alliance Uh, which I stepped down from a few years ago, actually ran that effort. But New York is the first state in America where you can openly smoke a joint anywhere you can smoke a cigarette, which means when I'm walking in Central Park right near my house in New York City, I cannot because you can't smoke cigarettes there. But if I step outside to the sidewalk or the streets, uh, it's perfectly legal. And it 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 just, it feels like freedom, quite frankly, you know? I mean, you think in a place like New York where the cops were busting 50,000 people a year for a joint until recently, you know, not to have these tons of people going to jail and prison and just to have people saying, if this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I think it's great. I think it's great. Isn't it
0: a strange time in human history that the the last pandemic of the 1900s, uh, I, I mean, we came out of it with prohibition. It, it was over. And then and here we are again, where all of a sudden we're, we're looking at these issues with pot and, and it could be all over when, you know, everything's legal.
1: You know, it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating connection you're making. That I hadn't really thought about that from the uh, the influence, you know, the the flu of a hundred years ago and alcohol prohibition. You know, it's it, it's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, obviously. You know, one of the arguments I made throughout my career is that the prohibition of of marijuana and other drugs in many respects resembles the prohibition of alcohol, right? You know, we do it because we understand that drugs can be harmful. We understand that, you know, we worry about our kids, all these sorts of things. And then a whole lot of moralism goes on and there's a whole lot of abstinence-only ideology. And so we prohibit these things, thinking that'll make the world a safer, better place for our kids and the workplaces and our families. And then it turns out you've got tens of millions of people who still want to do it and that's understandable and most of them are not causing any harm to anybody else or even themselves and the result is massive organized crime and violence and corruption and black markets and more dangerous drugs and violation of civil liberties and overflowing jails and prisons and the whole the whole thing, right? And I think that's why we're seeing now this movement to, you know, basically legalize and regulate marijuana to try to find a way to deal with the psychedelics responsibly and even with the harder drugs to start saying, let's stop throwing people in prison just for using, if they're not committing other crimes, let's decriminalize the way the Europeans have done, but not make it legally available the way alcohol or marijuana is becoming. Let's just come come up with a much saner, more thoughtful, more intelligent drug policy grounded in science, compassion, health, and human rights. And that, to some extent, was the focus of my work building a drug policy reformant for decades, and now it's really going to be the focus of this podcast. I mean, not just advocacy, right, because we'll be going deep into issues which don't have That much to do with public policy, but it is about a saner, rational approach to drugs and understanding that there's never been a drug free society, there's never going to be a drug free society. Therefore, in trying to keep drugs at bay, you know, the uh, objective is not to get rid of them. But to learn how to live with them, so they cause the least possible harm, and in some cases, the greatest possible benefit.
0: Well, during the COVID days, one of the things that increased sharply: opioid addiction. I mean, it's people are looking for that escape, and you know, if the only certainty you have is a good high, that's where people went.
1: Well, you know, opioids are such a strange thing because they have been used. You know, it comes from the opium plant. They have been used to deal with pain and sometimes for people to get you know escape reality or whatever for thousands of years really millennia throughout many parts of the world and now what's happening? You know, th- what's also really interesting about this is it's not a global issue yet. Not not this massive overdose problem. Really? It's, it's somewhat unique to the U.S. and parts of Canada, the U.K. and stuff like that. And clearly, a lot of stuff is going on. You know, a lot of people dealing with parts of, of pain. I think not just physical pain, but existential pain. People dealing with you know what's the reason for getting out of bed in the morning? You know, either having a you know crappy job or having a you know de- being depressed or what have you. And these things are out in the You know, first it was pharmaceuticals, then it was heroin. Now it's this very, very dangerous drug, fentanyl. And sadly, you know, the government's really got very little it can do about it. And the few things it might be able to do about it, like give people accurate information, they're not really doing. It's tragic.
0: So do you think, you know, one of the things, and you're going to think I'm crazy for bringing this up, but, you know, the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan, that was our poppy seed connection. I mean, what what are we going to do now? Isn't that where they have the poppies?
1: The truth is, you know, Afghanistan's been the world's major producer of opium and heroin for the last 20 years, right. even when the US had troops in there. So, there was really nothing we could do about it even when we were in Afghanistan. The other thing to realize is that Afghanistan provides most of the world's opium and heroin. But in America, we get it overwhelmingly from Mexico. What? And and a few back is Colombia. Yeah, yeah. We're Afghanistan. It's very rare to get heroin from Afghanistan in the U.S. They supply Europe. They supply the the Central Asia. You know, but when it comes to heroin, it's overwhelmingly coming from Mexico. The truth is, we've gotten at least a third of our heroin from Mexico for the last 80 years. Oh, my God. (laughs) There were little blips in Southeast Asia, Southwest Asia, or Colombia became the major producers. But, But look, the fact of the matter is, if there were a market in America for 10 times as much heroin as we're getting now, it could come in. I mean, Liz, you talk, you're talking about a few shipping containers could supply all the heroin consumed in America in a year. So, you know, if in fact there were 10 times as many heroin, there's nothing you can do on the supply side. Dealing with the opioid issue is all about getting smart in terms of why people are using this and keeping them from getting started in the first place. And if they get started, keeping them from dying. Right. 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 One thing your audience needs to know is that if you're using opioids, whether you're using it legally with a doctor's recommendation or you're playing around with it or you're addicted to it. May be careful when it comes to mixing with other drugs, because most of what are called overdoses aren't because you took too much oxy or too much heroin, it's because you mixed it with alcohol, you mixed it with valium-like drugs, benzodiazepines. Most people don't know this, but that's how a lot of young people are dying because they just wow. don't have that basic information.
0: Every reason why people should be tuning in to your podcast at iHeartRadio Psychoactive. Dude, you got to come back to this show in the future where we can spend a lot of time together because I have so many questions, but I'm going to become a student of your podcast first, and then I'm coming back with, with a long list of questions.
1: Sounds great. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, on. You, I really
0: you be brilliant today. Okay, sir?
1: Okay. You take care. Have a good one.